There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, what we'll do is I'll introduce you, Matt, and then we'll just go from there. Amazing. Okay, nice shirt, by the way. Okay, so it's really fucking nice, actually. Where's that from? I love that you swear. It's brilliant. Yeah, I do. You should hear my children. They're even worse. It's really fucking nice. Okay, I'm going to introduce you. I'm Susanna Constantine, and this is my wardrobe malfunction. The podcast with a stinking bloody cold. That's me. Oh, just streaming. I think so many people have had it. But enough about me. On to today's special guest, the iconic singer, showman, songwriter, and serious fashion expert, Matt Goss. So, let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors, and find out what's inside. One half of the iconic band, which incorporated two twins. You're going to guess who it is, and of course it's Bross. And I am with um, Matt today, and I can't quite believe it, Matt, that you're here from all the way from LA or Las Vegas are you today I'm in Vegas but I'm spending I am actually spending more time in LA lately but I'm in my my home in uh, in Vegas with my French bulldog and uh, and myself oh. so it's beautiful beautiful 90 degrees it's nice oh my god I would hate that you see you've got air conditioning so you're okay but yeah I, it's too hot and your bulldog I saw because I watched the documentary which is outstanding and you are both outstanding um and the book you had a painting of him i did he passed but now i have a, his name was alfie he was one of those life-changing pets you know that just yeah. actually my ex used to say if he could crawl up your ass and die he would we were just he was my oh. shadow and um and now and then I, I have to show you this really quickly yeah show me show me show me <gasps> name reggie oh reggie hello oh he's his eyes matt let me see his eyes. Call him. Reggie. Oh, he's got amazing eyes, hasn't he? Yeah. So that's my, that's my bulldog, Reggie. So I got, yeah. I got, um, I had Alfie and then mm-hmm. um, he passed. And I, was, I couldn't bring myself to get another English. So I just got a, a Frenchie. And then I thought he was going to be one of those aloof dogs. I was going to flush him down the toilet. I'm not really. I'm joking, obviously. <laughs> You know, he was. He ended up not being aloof, and now he's just—he's my shadow. We're like we're like this. We're oh, separated. He's gorgeous. He's absolutely gorgeous. And I heard your new single, um, "Somewhere to Fall," and I got to say, it's it's really good. I mean, musically, I was so surprised because obviously I knew you back in the day, but I was a little bit older, so I wasn't kind of like that teenage screaming brosette. But um, after watching the documentary, I have so much respect for you as a band, both of you as people, and how musically creative you are. And that really comes through in Somewhere to Fall. It's such a great song. Thank you so much. I mean, it was, I wanted to, it was one of those moments where 
I knew that I wanted to get back to like Tokyo and Paris and Berlin and London and all these in Sydney and all these places that I love so much. But as a rational thinker, I'm like, well, look, I've got to write a, a great record and and my love of pop is so strong and the power of pop is so strong. And yeah. I just wanted to write an intelligent pop record where I could incorporate all the things that I was feeling, certainly through these times that we've all been through. But I also wanted to write something that I could literally live with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just write a commercial record, but I promise you this album, The Beautiful Unknown, every single song in it, you could throw a dart at this record and any single song could be a single. And we've got, um, I'm going to LA actually on the on the 8th to, to, to film the video. Yeah. Um, for the next one. But we've got five slated and then we're filming all 11. Um, so it's going to be a conceptual record where you can actually watch the whole album from start to finish. That is a great idea. So it'll all be almost be like, a, I guess, an art installation in a way. If you look at someone like, I don't know if you know Sam Taylor Wood's work, but she did this thing of an orchestra playing a symphony and it just plays and plays and plays throughout. So it lasts for about three hours. And um, it's so beautiful. So that, that sounds really fascinating. We're thinking about putting in some narrative in between so it just kind of grows and you can just get the idea, understand exactly true, you know, very candid, uncomfortably candid, hopefully, and just um, yeah. where we can just go through the whole record. Okay, there are two words that you might, well, actually three that I want to pick up. So one was um, to write an intelligent record. And... You are super bright. It was so obvious in the documentary. You also m mentioned rational. I don't, are you really a rational person? When it comes to making decisions that will affect my life, 100%, I have to be pragmatic. I have to be extremely, uh, extremely rational. I mean, I have to be, I have to know that how do I, how do I make something happen? I wouldn't want to be doing this interview. I wouldn't want to be on radio. I wouldn't want to do anything if I didn't think what I was doing was relevant. I didn't listen to anything but pop music for six months until I wrote this record. I was just, I, I, I didn't listen to any of my influences. I didn't listen to, you know, Stevie or Donny Hathaway or, or, you know, Frank and anyone I love. I just listened to, I only listened to pop music and very often I didn't even know who the artist was. I just, I'm, I like yeah. this. And that's what I fell in love with the, you know, Peaches by Justin Bieber. And I'm falling in love oh. with these songs that I wouldn't normally have listened to. And, and then that definitely affected the way I co-wrote this album. So, you know, it's, it was, it was an interesting exercise. So I, I really am serious. I don't want to even be in the press or on the radio unless what I'm doing, I feel in my heart is contemporary and, and relevant and everybody on the record um, is contemporary from Babyface to Jacob Bunton to Jay Rustin Reed, Sterling Sound, who did BTS and and the latest the, the, the latest number one album in America, John Mayer. They're just everybody on it is is who you would dream of, and even like you know not just saying Heather and Harriet and all the people I'm working with around my team are just state of the art, and oh. I wouldn't want to embarrass them before myself, you know. So I have to it has to be very very a pragmatic decision and. and I'm extremely proud of the album. Are you a control freak? Um, I guess so. I think any of anyone that anyone that is has a vision. Um, I'm not a control freak to the point where if I'm working with people that are solely, you know, I'm doing the video and I need a great DP, I need a great director of photography where, where I want a shot lit a certain way. That's not my expertise. Um, I have, yeah. I have, I, I'll, I absolutely know if it's not what I want, um, but I, I. I'm, you must allow the people that 
there for that specific reason to do their job. So I don't micromanage. I think that's that's a, a death pill for creativity. Yeah. You know, you've got to know when to back yeah. off. You've got to know your strengths. Yeah, because you it's like you come, you know, you come across, and you know, again, I I've seen watched a few old interviews and watched documentary, but you you come across as a very sensitive guy and um, someone who lives in their head quite a lot of the time because that's where, you know, all creative people are like that. But also you've got a lot of courage. I mean, to, to make that documentary took balls. Yeah, I think that we didn't want, aren't we, you know, we didn't want to make a film that was like, aren't we great? Because that's, nobody's, nobody's, let's be honest, great all the time. And it's, the, the music industry especially is so tumultuous and you're swimming with sharks. That's what you're doing. You're swimming with sharks. And whether you like it or not, you do, you do have to sharpen your teeth. And I think mm. the key to being in this industry, you have to know when to use that bite. Um, you yeah. can't be an angry person all the time. You've got to be um, a rational thinker and you've got to try and be level-headed, even in a time of complete betrayal, which I've gone through recently and in business. And just you just have to go, you know, stand by your own truth. And hopefully one of the biggest compliments recently my lawyer gave me, he said, you're, you know, you're, you're level you 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 have a level head and you're a rational thinker and I'm like oh. I'm, I'm it's it's important to to operate in that way especially when you do need you do need a team of people around you that I would rather have respect than than oh. fear you know I think some people want want to be oh. the boss you know I don't think oh. you get any, nothing happens if you if you're adamant you'll get people to stay one two three in the morning if you if you've got their respect oh. and they feel included oh. you know yeah you can't drive business through fear. And that's a, it's not a great environment. For a small period of time, you can, and then people will leave. You know, they see through it. So, um, just when you were, you know, going back to the music industry, and you're saying that it, you know, it is such a cutthroat business. I have a lot of, um, you know, friends who are artists, and oh, I wonder. You felt you, it was like you were never taken seriously, it seemed, by the music industry. And I wonder if it's always the same. And it's not. You're not alone in that way. You know, there are so many other bands that are exactly the same. And I wonder, is it because you had such a huge fan base of teenage girls? It seems to be all the kind of bands that are trapped and are worshipped by teenage girls aren't taken seriously. I think it's a, it's a good question, and I definitely have a definitive answer. I, I, if you'd, what would have happened... What would have happened if the Beatles uh, got thrown on the on the on, on the trash because they were screamed at? What would have happened? We'd have lost some of the greatest music of our time. I'm not. I mean, uh, the reality is, back when the Beatles were massive, uh, the press had there was a sense of decorum, and there was a sense of knowing what was impertinent. Um, and then you enter into our era, you know, in the, the late eighties, early nineties where nothing was off limits you know we had a camera i had a camera constantly pointing at my balcony i bought at a beautiful house in in maida vale with a balcony in the master bedroom never ever i went on it once until i saw a a picture of me on the paparazzi um people under my you know people under my bed people in my wardrobes it was nothing was off limit you know i had cameras through my letterbox it was I mean, the list is endless. I survived it, never had a drug in my life, never had a cigarette in my life. You know, I'm a clean living, 
very mindful, hopefully present human. But, um, you know, in the middle of it, my sister got killed by a drunk driver. Mm. Um, it was, it was a, it was the most bittersweet time of our lives. It was something we dreamed of and worked very hard for. But I think when Princess Diana passed, things started to change. Um, and, and people felt more accountable or held that side of the industry a little more accountable where mm. it was so invasive. I mean, there were times when, um, I mean, I, I, I got threatened to be arrested so many times by the, by the police, you know, by quote unquote inciting a riot when I was, and I said, I'm coming home. It's two in the morning. I've just finished this. I'm coming home. And, uh, yeah, so it was, there were so many things going on apart from the music. But my point is that what would have happened if, if you get screamed at, um, obviously you're young, you're, you're a boy and everyone's hormones were going ramp, running rampant, including mine. And you, you know, it's not a crime. It's, uh, you just got to sometimes listen. The fact that I did what I've done thirty interviews on radio in the last five days, and they're still playing that music, and it still sounds current, and it sounds, you know, they're they're oh, such great pop oh. songs. Yeah, well, that that is a testament to what you did, but it's it's also as much, you know, when I, you know, thinking about your, you know, your look that you had. When you were kids, I mean, you, you and Luke were just—you were kids. You were the same age as my kids, and you, this look came together. And I don't know how much it was—I suspect it came from you guys. But was there ever a time that you were able to experiment with clothes, or was it because you basically went from being a schoolboy to superstardom? So, did you ever have a, a time where you could do that? First of all, the look came from a genuine place. Like my love of James Dean and the red, the red jacket was his, his, you know, his red Harrington um, and the denim. I, I had this love of Americana. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I loved James Dean. He was one of my idols. And also the Buffalo scene, you know, Go Global and mm-hmm. Astoria, which was the bomber jackets, you know, the jeans, the turn, you know, the cuff, the cuff jeans. Um, and the Doc Martens and, you know, all the stuff on the jacket. That's where it all came from. So the, the bros cut was my love of James Dean. The red jacket was James Dean. And the bomber jackets and stuff like that came from the Go Global days, uh, Astoria. So the Buffalo Boys. And, and you know, so that's where that's where it all started, which is actually really culturally and a uh, level of fashion was really right up there. Um, uh. But it immediately gets commercialized and then, you know, thrown aside. But... Um, you know, there are a lot of shops in in London like American Rag that from for a good few years were very grateful for our business because there mm. are hundreds of people going to that shop every day to buy the 501s mm. and all that. And where do you where do you get your clothes from now? Where's your do you have or is it from all over the place? Yeah, I, I'm like this is vintage. Um I love So nice. I'm not a, I'm definitely not elitist on any level, but I'm I, I guess I'm a little bit of a denim snob. I like I like my mm. salvage denim. I like, you know, a certain kind of grain in my denim. But I also get, I have a few things that that I know that, like these, these shoes, these are George Cleverly. They made uh, shoes for Winston Churchill, they, the late, great uh, Charlie Watts. Um, every, you know, everyone from Dwayne Johnson to Jason Statham. Who make the best jeans? Because I am desperate to find jeans. I can't fucking find any jeans. I hate... All this high-waisted shit that's out there. Because for a woman like me who's got a bit of a belly after three kids, 
I, I want mid-rise jeans. I don't want fucking high-rise jeans, look, which look like I'm an aging pregnant woman again. There's some great, there's some great, like the Japanese, if you just type in Japanese denim and you like the raw denim, I don't know if that's for you, but I will say people that really love denim, you want resalvage. The, the Japanese bought a lot of the, Levi loom, the Levi's looms and, and brought them over yeah. to J- Japan. And, and that's why all the great denim looms uh, are in Japan. So that's why a lot of the, 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 the um, premium denim is Japanese. But I would say for a great semi-high street, um, you know, but still up there is, is Double RL. Um, I think Double RL, which is a, a, a division of Ralph Lauren, but it's Ralph his, Lauren, yeah. yeah, but it's his love of vintage and resalvage fabrics and and you know just that style of that old Americana, you know, whether it be nautical, um, aviation, or industry, everything is based on on a. On that for him, and I—that's you know—I'm wearing a couple, I'm wearing a pair of double RLs right now. Stand up, let me have a look. She <laughs> said, "Bossily, they're—they're they're such a nice color, and I like the fact you're not wearing them with a belt, and actually they're unbuttoned as well. So that's a moment that. But I'm still obsessed by that shirt because it's not got buttons, and it's kind of like a jersey fabric, silk jersey. It looks like." It's got it's edging on the seventies vibe, but it's I, I, I suspect it's um it's like late sixties this shirt. Um, yeah, it's a little bit. It's slightly kind of yes, late sixties, early seventies porn star. Yeah, Thank slightly. You. Well, I need the porn star moustache to bring to bring the look t- totally home. But yeah, then it will be perfect. Call me back in two weeks. And I'll have it ready. Yeah. So your your style is um it's kind of interesting, you know. A, Watching your style, it's sort of, it's evolved, certainly. So if you look at back to when you were 18 years old and you look at you now, there's a huge difference. Yeah. But it's kind of crept up to where you are now. And I'm wondering, I imagine with you, because you, are, you seem to be so passionate about clothes, which I love. Probably I love clothes as much as music. I was going to ask you that, yeah. That's my dream is to have my own line, and, but an affordable line, you know, like where people can actually go, well, I want to look, I want to look great, but, but still not break the bank. That is, that is genuinely my dream. Good luck with that. Retail is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> no, I've had, I've, had, I've, had, I've had brands, I've had my own jewellery line, and we did very well with that, and I've had my own jean line. And, um, mm. I understand retail really well. I think that the way I would want to do it is in, in, with a big company, you know, like Marks and Spencers or someone like that, where I could actually go, let's push it a little bit. But I'm, my love of, of men's fashion, as in high-end tailoring, I understand suits and I understand tailoring very, very well. But I also, I love going the other way as well. Like I, and the, in, in somewhere to full video, I've got this most beautiful Gucci suit. And it was... With the waistcoats as well, stunning. Big, big peak yeah. lapel, massive peak lapel. It's got a pair of lionels on it. It's just, it's it's really... It's a beautiful suit. I love it. I, you know, you know. I read one of your questions. That's definitely a suit that I really won't use unless I'm going somewhere special. I'm doing yeah. it for TV. It's just one of those suits that's just so right. Yeah, and you feel because it is. It's the same for men. You know, if you're wearing something that, and it's not. It's not in a vain way, but you feel something that's almost like hugging you. It's giving you a hug, yeah. and you know you look. You know you look confident in it. You know you look at ease in it. It makes all the difference. I think it's we've got to kind of encourage people to not feel bad about feeling good. 
You know, we've really, it's, we've got to, we're going to, we're going to croak. All of us are going to croak and leave this earth one day. And we yeah. have to just crack on a little bit more with, with our being comfortable in our own skin. If you, and, and, I, and my love of clothes is, is not really most of the time is just for myself. Like, you know, mm. I have a complete love of, of fashion and, um, like this is another thing that I, I, I can't really do without is my, look how, look how destroyed this bandana is. Is that from you or from? No, it's just um, from where. I mean, this is from Reggie, the fifties. This is actually no. This is forties. Nineteen. This is from the forties. So it's just such an old piece of. But I love a good old bandana, and and I wear it when I'm on the plane. From for instead of an eye mask, I wear it. You know, you pull it down. It immediately adds something to something to what you're wearing. So would you say that was your Matt? That was your comfort blanket. Is that something that goes with you everywhere? I mean, I don't want to sound pretentious when I say this, but my love of watches is at the point where the, I feel like whenever whatever I'm wearing, I have. To, I'm a, I'm a, quite an avid watch collector. It's something that I've always been scared to mention because people like you know it sounds pretentious or. But I love watches, and I and I if you go on my Instagram, all I'm, my own personal searches are all watches. So. Um, I've always loved watches, um, and it's not my comfort blanket. But this is certainly something that you know that I would pack all, all the time in my bag, or a or a bandana. But I feel like my outfit's not complete until I put the right watch with what I'm wearing. Do you prefer a leather strap or a um, a link strap? Uh, again, it depends what you're what you're going for. Way you know, I do love you know Tom Ford. I believe said every every man should have a, have, have one watch with a good bracelet. You know, I do like a I do like a, a a bracelet, but I also like a leather strap. Like I just bought a Vacheron. It's called a 1921 uh, Vacheron Constantine. It's a 1921, and all the numbers are slightly shifted to the right. So when you hold the steering wheel, the 12 is de- is dead center. How amazing. It's it's a it's, I think it's arguably one of the most beautiful dress watches ever made, but that has obviously has a as a, a crocodile strap and it's so I have a deep love for you know leather oh. straps, but I also think um, there's a genuinely a place for for a good bracelet as well. Yeah, because I think I think weirdly, like a bracelet a bracelet strap is better in the daytime and a le- on a man and a leather strap is more is chicer at night. Right. Yeah, I've never, I've never felt that. I've never felt that. I think that it's really how, you know, I think a watch can decide whether you go white, white, you know, or gold or rose, whatever you, you know, but it can, it can definitely change whether you, like if you're wearing, you know, gold or a rose gold, you might put a pair of nice, you know, brown brogues on or, and if you're, if you're wearing a steel Daytona or something, you might want to go, you know, just gray and black and, it's different. I mean, it's just. I think there are a lot of fellas out there that have a deep love of watches, uh, and, and and certainly a slight obsession. But it's not about. It's about how serene a watch is, and certainly if it's got an automatic movement or a manual movement, and it's just working its heart and soul out on your wrist. And um, there's something really. I I have such a love of watches. You know, I totally get that. It's kind of watches or cars or both because the, the same amount of work. If you look at a, in a, an engine of a, let's say, I don't know, DB5 or you know, moving up through Aston Martin, I and have you, a DB11. And you, oh, do you, <laughs> wanker? I'm so jealous. But they, I love the fact that you know, and, and all the workings that that go on inside, and so I can, I totally get where you're coming. 
This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Coming from, I remember this, there's a very famous um, society kind of style icon in America called, um, she's from Texas, called Lynn Wyatt. And her husband's actually in prison at the moment. I can't remember why something did something terribly illegal. Anyway, she said to me, never, a woman should never wear a watch past six o'clock. Is that what she said? Yeah, and I said, why? And she's so right. And I said, why? She said, well, a woman, if, you, if you're wearing a watch and you go to dinner, it looks like you're waiting to leave because women shouldn't wear. And it was so true. So I've never worn a watch in the evening since. See, that's a, that's a great. I mean, it's a great story, but I also have a slight um, frustration that a lot of the women's watches are not automatic. I mean, a lot of women I know don't set their watches, but to have a Patek Philippe, for example, not make at least a manual wind and have a quartz movement in a Patek, it doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. And and a lot a lot of women's watches are quartz. Yeah, which I can't bear. I want good old-fashioned wind-up. You want a up. movement or you want it to be automatic. Yeah. You want a movement. and But a lot of women's watches are not. So I'm like, no. Like, you know, if if I'm dating mm. somebody or I'm with somebody, I'm like, you've got to we've got to have an automatic or a, or, or a manual mm. wind, you know, because mm. whether you said it or not, it doesn't matter. But it's, mm. it's interesting. But I do love, you did say the DB5, which was arguably every man that will listen to this. That's his, probably every man, every man I know, that's his dream car. Yeah, I mean, every man, if they got that, they'd get a little celebratory erection drive. Yeah, there would definitely be circulation going on. Yeah. (laughs) Firm circulation, let's just say that. Firm circulation. I actually, my old boyfriend, who I went out with for six years, he had, um, he inherited from his dad, Peter Sellers's um, DB5. And we went all around France and Italy in it and you know forget that we were kind of quite photographed quite a lot nothing to your level at the time but it made no difference to to the fact that you know you could have had the equivalent of George Clooney or Barack Obama in the car of course it was the car that was the showstopper it was the car that people wanted to meet and get to know fuck who was inside it yeah I mean listen whenever I see I also feel that way about a good uh, e-type jag as well like they're just so iconic. Uh, Pina Frina, I believe, said that that was the that was the best car, the, the, the prettiest car of all time. That's high yeah. praise coming from that gentleman. Yeah. So going back to your clothes, because mm-hmm. now we've gone from dogs to watches to cars, and this is called my wardrobe malfunction. And we've, we have, thing I have. So is that Vivian Westwood? 
No, I have to bring up hats. Or Stephen Jones. This is actually just, this is actually, I want to show you this quickly. So look, this is inside my hat. It says, I'll show you this, ah! but, but I... Read it out, read it out. It said, if it's her you want, I don't care about that. You can have my gal, but don't touch my hat. And then it has, this hat belongs to Matt Goss, has my telephone number. So You're kidding. That is so wonderful. Let me see it. Put it on your head. So there's this underneath. Is... So I'll show you a couple of things about it. So what yeah. I always do to my hats is I brand my hats. So there's a number eight there, if you can see. Yep. As a, as yep, a turquoise. So it's like Navajo turquoise. a cattle brand. Yeah. Got actually an ex-girlfriend got me that, but I, I loved it, so I kept it in. Um, I always put my black rose on the back of my hats. Mm -hmm. I brand that, and it just has a has a certain vibe to it. Do you always wear your hats at a jaunty angle like that? I think just a little bit of a just a little bit of a of a tilt, or a little, it just adds something. Yeah, I always put a little bit of a, a tilt on it, a tiny bit. A little bit of a jaunt. Uh, it's fabulous. And you wear them a lot. I mean, you, you always do. Would you say, what's the percentage of the time do you wear hats? I wear them a lot less lately. Last, the last video, uh, summer to fall video, I didn't wear it once. I just, you yeah. know, I just, I love hats and I will wear it, but I'll always take my hat off at dinner. Yeah, good. You know, but I like, yeah, I, I just, you know, I love hats. It's kind of like complete, mm. complete an outfit. But lately I've been just, you know, I've been getting my hair cropped and oh, a lot more cropped than I have. And it just feels nice to just... It looks a bit blonder too, your hair. It's a bit ashy. It's gone a bit ashier. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit like... Yeah. So I prefer, yeah. but I do love hats, but I've been trying to get away from it because people started to, it, became, it started to come become my silhouette, you know, people got recognised with. And I just was like, it was mm. just... You know, so I've been trying a lot more lately to just embrace who I am and just and just uh, just rocking the new natural a little bit more. You know. Yeah, but hats, hats. I love the fact that it's hats, watches, cars, clothes, and bulldogs. Um, what about art? Let's go. This is so going off um, piece. This interview. There's a dear friend of mine. There's a dear friend of mine called, and I want to talk about him obviously I'm first of all I'm super proud of my brother's art he's Luke's doing some great stuff and is he? yeah he started to really get into that world and he's found himself in a place of complete love he's a love affair with art so first of all talk, that's definitely first and foremost my brother but um there's an artist that I have I have, a, I have most of my house is by an artist called Ronnie Stretch um he's he basically paints in photorealism. Okay. And then what he did is one day he came down and did a painting. He didn't like it. He painted over the canvas, came down the next morning and there was this kind of wash over this portrait and that became his style. And I just have so much of his art in my house. And I think he's, I'll show you how minimal it is if you want. Okay. So this is, I don't know if you can see, so above my bed, I'm under my bed right now. This is. Oh. I mean, that's almost like a sort of old master feel to it, isn't it? Yeah, but it has a wash on it. It's actually Jesus. Mm. And then this is um, Buddha. Can you see that? Yep. He does a lot of installations and. Um, he's in a lot of, he's in museums, he's in a lot of incredible mm. hotels and 
He's really, really talented. Come here, babe. Yeah. No, I, it's it's very um, it's subtle. It doesn't kind of you know. It's that kind of painting that when you, I love a painting when you you walk past something and then it draws you to kind of look a little bit more. But it's, it's, it doesn't it doesn't shout, which is nice. People often think that I've got like just a brown piece of brown canvas or a white. There's one downstairs. Oh. He did a portrait of me. It's just white. And you look at it, you know, what, what, it's white. It's just, and, you look, and it, once you see it, it doesn't disappear. But he, he also does, he painted a pair of old Doc Martens for me, he called them Matt's Martens. And uh, actually Robert Downey Jr. had had that as well. He had, um, he, he, he painted, um, I believe he painted Robert Downey Jr. and his wife. And they have opposite sides of the bed, I believe, that they have them, uh, his wife above him and, and him and him above his wife, which is really, his portraits are, I think his portraits are some of the most beautiful portraits in the world. Really? I'm going to check, check them out. He'll also paint um, like a, a, he'll crunch up a piece of paper and then open it up a little bit and he'll paint that. So you'll look at it and it will look three-dimensional, that like it's, it's a crunched up piece of paper, but it's flat. It's really beautiful. Amazing. Delicate and subtle. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I have to ask you about your wardrobe malfunction. You must have had something where your clothes have let you down. I, I've let myself down. I don't know if my clothes did. You know what I mean? I feel like, no, but it's true. I feel like, you know, I, I wore a baseball cap far too long for a period. You know, I was just, you know, I shaved my head and wore that. And um, I would say... I would say in regards to fashion, I think the, the, the shoulder pad era for, for guys, I'm 6'2", I'm quite broad anyway, and that was not one of my favourite times when, when you, you know, you're wearing a leather jacket and, you've, and it's a fairly short leather jacket and you put shoulder pads on a short jacket, um, it's really not looking right for a fella. I mean, I like the look, yeah. I like the very structured shoulder pads for the women, but... No, for me, it wasn't a great look for... Um... Yeah, propor the proportions would not be right. It would be like a kind of traffic sign on a very long pole. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was, it was, there was a jacket I wore in a, in a song that, I, that we did years ago called Cat Amongst the Pigeons. And, and we, I wore this beautiful Jean-Paul Jean Gaultier jacket in that video. And I still love that jacket. And it's, it's beautiful. It's got this big kind of like, shawl kind of hood and it's brown leather and it's but it's a bit short and the shoulder oh, is it the sheepskin one yeah is it, is it yeah the kind of shearling yeah it's leather but the big shearling kind of massive hood over things but these yeah you can't i mean it's very short right now i might have, i might have to go and get dig it out it's in london you know what i i did notice that jacket because i did think mm. and the reason i noticed it is because your head looked like a pip growing out of a flower pot. Do you know what I mean? Because you got this expanse of collar. So again, it's the proportions were all wrong. Hilarious. Don't hold back. Just tell me how you really feel, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> My head looked like a pip. It's too little pip growing out of a flower pot. Oh, Matt. And then I guess your birthday suit, it must be a suit, your birthday suit, something that makes you feel flipping amazing. I think the, the 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 most recent is the is the is the Gucci suit that I just wore in Somewhere to Fall. It just it mm. just feels so good on. Um, yeah, you're right. It would be a suit, and but there's two sides to me. There's 
it would be a great Japanese pair of denims, good old pair of, you know, a vintage maybe red wings and a, and just a simple white t-shirt, you know, you know, and a good watch. That's my comfort zone or a really beautiful, uh, a really beautiful suit. But that suit most recently is, is something I, I really, really loved. I mean, and I love putting a good on a great, I love wearing a tuxedo, um, mm. but I like wearing a tuxedo to go out to an event, not to sing in. Yeah. Do you ever go rogue with a tuxedo? Do you ever go kind of, or do you like the kind of classic or do you ever go sort of burgundy? Not, not when you're playing to an audience, but um, you know, say stage thing, but when you're going to a black tie event, do you ever go rogue? I'll do a deep navy, you know, like a dark, nice. a yeah. dark navy. Uh, I have, I do have a burgundy tuxedo, but there's something to me that my obsession of James Bond, um, that I think there's nothing like the studs on the shirt, the cufflinks. I mm-hmm. mean, I have a beautiful pair of most of the cufflinks I wear that I designed myself and got made. But again, like beautiful pocket square, you know, very, very, you know, sharp edge on that on a tuxedo. Um, Sometimes I've worn a small a small brooch, like a very small brooch. Um, but most of the time when I wear a tuxedo, I will keep it as classically Bond and Cary Grant as possible. Mm. Yeah. I don't like a boxy tattoo. It has to be like streamlined on the arms and the waist and, and, and on the, you know, you know the, the jacket has to really, really be fit. I do not like a boxy tuxedo. Yeah. And the only way you can achieve that is um, by having it made. It's like, you know, for, it's the same with women's clothes. So, for example, I had my wedding dress made and it was the it was the couture seamstresses in Paris that made it for me. And what I loved most about it was the fact that the arms were so close fitting but yeah. the way they did that, and then it went right up your armpit, so you didn't have that horrible sag underneath your armpit. And the way they did that was by stitching a kind of triangle of fabric under there, so it went right up to the armpit. And you know what? I've lost my wedding dress. I've got no fucking idea where it is. I don't know what I've done, <laughs> what I've done with it. How shameful is that? It's kind of shameful. You know, it's almost as bad as having a pip head. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say that, I, I will say to the, the to the fellas that that can't go and get a bespoke suit made. Um, I think it's really, it's also just as good if you buy you know an affordable tuxedo that isn't exactly to the fit to the fit that you like. Just then go and get that tailored. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That still has an element of bespoke um, experience to it. At least you're going and getting it altered. It doesn't have to cost you know five grand for a Tom Ford tuxedo. You can go and get, you know, a very affordable tuxedo and get it tailored, and people can go, "That looks great on you," because really, let's let's face it, as long as it's tailored to your body, um, that is half of the bespoke experience. The fabric might not be mm. of your choice, but the, the, the fi- I do think that's important to tell the fellas because, you, you know, sometimes guys goes, "Oh, I just don't know what to do," you know, and and I think the fellas that that just want a tuxedo for a, one event. Buy an affordable tuxedo and go and get it tailored. Uh, just you know, oh. a normal seamstress. Mm. Do you ever wear smoking jackets? You know, like velvet jackets. Of course I do. Yeah, I have uh, even my robes. I have an obsession with robes as well. I, I what like bathrobes? Yeah, or just like dressing gowns. Dressing gowns. Yeah, I have like a beautiful burgundy pais- you know, paisley green 
with deep burgundy shawl collar with a burgundy with a burgundy belt you know you have so been born in the wrong era haven't you you really have yes. you should have been born in the 40s for god's sake it's like you're a good looking orson wells thank you the 40s to me you nailed the, you nailed the decade for me if i was going to choose one decade it would be the 40s everything about that era. i mean that's exactly the era i love even in regards to even like the industry if you look at the the clothes from industry yeah, totally. I'm so with you on that. I mean, the women's clothes and the way they were made, and it was like yeah. women looked like women. They weren't androgynous. All clothes, female clothes, women's clothes at the moment, they're so androgynous. And it's, there's, there's no sex appeal. There's nothing feminine or ladylike. But back then, when you had Lana Turner and Sid Charisse and all these amazing actresses, they're just so beautifully feminine. Pierre Cardin and, and even, you know, and I think, Certainly, uh, Lagerfeld and and in some ways, um, Oscar Oscar um, De La Renta. Oscar De La Renta and they uh, they had such an understanding. They still have an understanding of those clothes. Still fit beautifully. Yeah, I am also a fan of the of the early seventies when it was just chic. Everything looked so chic mm. and and purposeful. And now, like you know, this oversized. Everything's oversized and. You know, I just, I will say my, probably my mantra in, in regards to clothes is in, in, I, I do not like trends. I like style. Exactly. You know, I just, I, I don't understand when somebody wants the new something. I don't care. I'm, I'm like, so that's three seasons old and it's less. I'm like, thank you. I'll, you know, mm. it's, uh, I usually find myself grabbing things that haven't gone and there's, you know, I like a bargain. I so agree with you because when you see, if you see someone, and I can think of a couple of very well-known female celebrities who I won't name, but they'll they'll wear head to toe one designer. Right. A, there's no imagination. It's boring, but also it just looks greedy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, th- I think for women that's the case. I think sometimes for men, like when you wear a suit, you're wearing a suit. You, you know, like I wanted a certain, I wanted a big, big, big collar for this, for this suit. And there's only, you know, there's only certain places you can buy it. And, it, you know, this particular video, it looks a, bit, a little bit like a Gucci ad, I, I admit. But the shirt that I wore in that, it was very androgynous and that was purposeful. I wanted it to be. Um, mm. I love Bowie. And I love Mark Bolan, you know. Oh, Mark Bolan, yeah. Uh, so that the way Gucci wanted you to wear it was done up in a bow. And then that is ridiculous for a dude to wear that. But, mm. but open mm. it up and let the let these you know this blouse kind of shoulders happen, and then it becomes sexy to me. I don't mm. you know. So I, the thing is, I just you don't have to wear it. The, you don't have to wear it the way it looks on the ad. You can put your own spin on it. Yeah. How many times do you look in the mirror before you go out? That's not a question that's on the list, by the way. I've just probably a little too many. I'm I'm a very very confident man. Uh, as as a human being, but not necessarily not necessarily aesthetically. So um, I won't look in the mirror, but I might ask. Say, do, I, do I look? I might ask. Do I look all right three or four times? Somebody close to me, yeah. or, you know. But um, but once, but I know inherently when I like it, I like it. You know. Yeah. But very yeah, often I'll I, go out. Yeah. I'll, I'll go out and you know. Do you do this do you, when you get you go into a shop? Do you ever do you ever buy and wear? Oh yeah, God yeah. But I only buy online now. I can't be asked to go shopping anymore. Well, I'll go in if I go into shop. I will buy it. If I buy something, I'll be like, all right, just I'm not. I'm wearing this out. 
yeah, yeah, I know that. But also another good thing, because you know when you they have all those kind of mirrors that distort you. So I will put something on if I, you know, when I do go shopping into a shop, I'll put something on and I'll say, okay, I am going out. Can you take the tag off? I'm not going to nick it, but I'm going out and I'll go and look at it in the reflection of the window because that yeah. is the accurate thing. So I'll get up and I'll go and I'll look at it in the mirror and I'm kind of like that. And then I'll go out and I'll walk by and I'll just kind of quickly glance like that. And then I get a sort of accurate idea of how I look, like I'm looking at someone else and not myself. I have a feeling you know exactly what you want and when you want it. And Yeah, well, most of the time. I'm so impressed with your um, time in Las Vegas. I think it's absolutely amazing what you've done out there and how you went you played for nine months and then you got your residency at caesars and you completely reinvented yourself Thank so you. i don't want to be too arse slicky george so can we take that out because i don't like being arse slicky so they're so they're so british that that's the thing it's amazing i have to say success is mm. such an incredible word and i hope the brits you know, the, one of the things that, that the Brits can learn from American culture is that success is such a good word, and and you shouldn't be ever you shouldn't ever feel ashamed of it. So if you want to give me a compliment, as I'm about to give you, uh, it's really important. We need we need that. Listen, I'm coming I'm coming back to the UK. I'm moving to LA. I'm I'm I, I cannot do the residency anymore. Eleven years is I've done all I can do in Vegas um, um, without feeling compromised. And but you know, and I've this is. Without question, in the top five, my favorite. I could talk about clothes all day long, and I've I've wanted to talk about clothes, and I, and I still feel like it was just the tip of the iceberg. So thank you. I mean, what an, what a great interview. What you're so much fun, and you should have your. Own, oh. If you don't have your own TV show, forgive me if you if you already do, but if you don't, you should have. No, your I, own don't. TV. I don't. Well, you you bloody know, sure. I don't. I'm too fucking old to see. Look, have to look at myself on TV. What's that um, lip salve you're using? It's a, uh, oh my God, it's La Mer, Creme de La Mer. Oh, Creme de La Mer, of course it is, the most expensive. All right, Matt, listen, I'm going to let you go. I could sit and talk to you for hours. I've got to yeah, it's fucking boring. My husband <laughs> is a cyclist, okay? And he has this cyclist group and I've got to go to this party tonight with all the fucking cyclists. And I'm just like, and I don't drink because I'm an alcoholic. So I don't drink, I'm in recovery. And I just don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm just going to take a blanket and put it in the car and then call it and go to sleep. Just wear a nice dress and a pair of cleats. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And put your feet yeah. up on the table. That'll be enough. Yeah, that'll be enough. <laughs> All right, Matt Goss, you are a legend and you are so lovely and um, I've so enjoyed speaking to you and I can't wait to see you when you come to I can't wait either. I'm definitely, we've got to have dinner and, just, and I promise you I won't talk about cycling good man listen lots of love and good luck with everything good luck with the album it's called um the beautiful unknown and it's out on the 19th of november exactly. there we go you take care thank you matt isn't he wonderful matt's new album the beautiful unknown is out on the 19th of november and the latest single from the album better with you drops tomorrow 8th of October. You can find all the links on our episode notes. Now, before we go, a huge apology. Due to a major diary malfunction, our live show Shambles event has been postponed. You'll get a full refund if you bought tickets and we hope to get a new date sorted very soon. If you drop us a line, ideally 
not to berate us for being total idiots and postponing the show, email us at help at mywardmail.com and you can follow us at mywardmail and of course subscribe, rate and review us on your chosen podcast platform. And find our house band duo at duoguitarmusic.com or at Duo Guitar Music on their socials. Okay, that's it. Thanks again so much to the wonderful, darling, gorgeous Matt, to Duo, and of course, thanks to you guys for listening. Catch up soon. Until then, my wardrobe is officially closed. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.